guys. Welcome back to the Gen X Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Trish the Dish, and I'm really excited about my equipment, guys. Like, I gotta just talk about it for a second. I'm sitting here with my my cool uh, SM7B Shure mic, this dope-ass Rodecaster, um, well, my Rodecaster Pro, that's dope AF, and then this really cool arm um, that allows my microphone to like pivot and swivel and like move in and out and like, oh, I feel like a real podcaster now, guys. Of course, I can't even say the word podcaster, but <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I've just kind of kind of got to brag a little bit about that. You know, uh, this this past year um, with the pandemic has been really crazy because most of my my money usually gets spent on adventuring and traveling um around uh, adventuring so like usually i spend money on like backpacking and kayaking and you know gear like that um and so when the hospitals were kind of hovering around 95% capacity i've talked about this before i i chose to to not to to just completely stop you know, being a part of the traffic and adventuring. And I mean, that was just my own choice, you know, um, just kind of something I felt obligated to do for humanity. <laughs> and, and then I went ahead and, you know, started a podcast and, um, you know, just kind of been putting these pieces together bit by bit. And it's been a lot of fun. And, you know, you definitely don't need any of this, of these toys that I have now. Um, you know, I start with like, I don't know, a hundred dollar mic. Um, I still love my Blue Yeti. I think it's a great mic. It's going to be great for, you know, if I ever have guests, you know, in, in IRL, um, if, if that ever happens. And for you folkies, that's in real life. Some of you folkies are my age. I just work on a college campus, so I know that stuff. But um, so anyway, I just kind of want to start this episode with kind of, you know, talking about that because um, this week's guest is a Gen X pal of mine um, who created uh, an, an indie horror film with me, um, you know, like 10, 10 years ago, oh, 20 years ago. My gosh, you guys, we talk about it in the podcast, um, but gosh, when you, when you really sit and you say that, like, you know, yeah, the 80s seemed like a long time ago, 90s seemed like a long time ago, but the 2000s and the teens don't seem that long ago. Like it just really, anyway. So, so we were talking about like how, um, you know, this was before really YouTube was really kind of a thing. Um, like, uh, I mean, it was, but it wasn't as massive. Um, and, and equipment was like just starting to be available to people to do their own sort of like, recording studios and music and I mean movies um like so so for me geeking out on my on my sort of gear for my podcast is like part of this little indie rocker that did you know um home recordings in her basement with her band and you know helped make a movie once with you know with my friends so um, I'm, I've been a gearhead for a really long time in my life. I've always been excited about technology. I'm in this like Gen X group on Facebook and someone asked the question like, oh, um, you know, how scared of technology are, are you guys? And I'm like, man, I don't know if I belong in this group because I wanted the iPod when I first heard about it. I was, I did podcasting on a MacBook you know, in, in 2005 or six or whatever, I, I think I told you guys about that before. Um, so like for me, like I was in that sweet spot of growing up that like technology was never scary. It was always just like, Oh, what's that cool new shiny thing? Um, so I really, uh, had a blast talking to my friend Aaron about kind of stuff like that, as well as him being a game master, um, or dungeon master, um, with role-playing games, how being a, a game master or a GM, like sort of, um, lends itself to this sort of creative side of, you know, writing films and understanding flow of, of action sequences, especially in terms of horror. Cause that's like, we really geek out about some horror, um, you know, 
please let me know if you're Evil Dead fans out there because um, I need I need to know what kind of people you are that are listening. <laughs> uh, and Hellraiser and Zombie. Um, I'm going to put links down to like a lot of the stuff that we talk about just because it's a cultural identifier for us that is not what you're going to find on some of these nostalgia pages that you see on Instagram or Facebook. Um, there's there's a whole lot of different you know, cultural identifiers for Gen X. Cause, cause we were into so many things and I don't want that to disappear. And just because like, Oh, you guys are eighties kids. So you like Smurfs and cabbage patch and like, and then the nineties, Oh, you liked vanilla ice and teenage mutant Ninja turtles. And then like that be it. There's like a whole other part to us. You know, we were in our twenties in the later nineties and early two thousands. So there's all these other cultural identifiers that we kind of un- unpack. Um, but anyway, I'm really rambling, but I'm super excited for you to hang out with me and my good friend, Aaron, as we sort of geek out this episode. Enjoy the show. Hi, Aaron. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. Aaron, it is so awesome to have you on the Gen X Voice podcast. Yeah, it's it's been too long since we've uh, got a chance to hang out and talk and stuff. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, this is going to be so much fun because I know we're going to talk about some of uh, your favorite things and sure. then, you know, definitely talk about how our paths crossed in Springfield, Illinois. Yeah. I know my audience is probably wondering if I have any other friends in the world because <laughs> I have so many um, Springfield, Illinois. You know, I just had uh, Chris um, McCray on oh, the podcast. Cool. Yeah. I'm um, looking forward to hearing that one then. Yeah. And this is definitely, um, how we connected was through, through Chris. So yeah. shout out to Chris for, Absolutely. um, putting you in my life. And then, um, also, you know, I just want to jump right into it, Aaron, what year were you born and what generation do you most identify with? Uh, 1974, uh, and Gen X, uh, soundly within Gen X. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been listening to your earlier podcast. I've kind of gone off and, and seen the touchstones, you know, the latchkey kid, I did that for a while, you know, um, satanic panic was a big thing when I was in high school. And so like all those like big, um, events in the eighties, I kind of at least vaguely remember. Yeah. The satanic panic that oh, yeah. is, um, do you, ever, do you listen to podcasts in general? Yeah, this is gonna this is gonna sound bad, and people are gonna think less of me for it. But I've been listening to a lot of true crime podcasts. Oh, I don't on... think anyone's gonna <laughs> not not my audience anyway. <laughs> but so yeah, we've been we've been on lockdown, and I'm an editor. I'm a video editor, so I've been working from home. And um, uh, and while I do After Effects work, I listen to true crime podcasts. Um, and some, uh, I also like horror stories. So. I found a couple that do like uh, creepy pastas that they'll read or whatever for podcasts, and I, I, I listen to a lot of that. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've listened to several of yours because you know we're friends, and I, I was like, oh yeah, I know Trish, so I want to check that out too. So, but the, the kind well, of the- lifestyle stuff, I don't really listen to a whole lot of. So the reason I asked that is because um, my favorite podcast which is the one that kind of inspired me to, to, to go into podcasting is stuff you should know with Chuck and Josh. And, um, they did a thing on the satanic panic and, um, I highly recommend it. I'll send it. And actually listeners, I'll put a link to it in the show notes because, um, I think it's a really interesting time, um, in American history with, um, you know, especially with the night stalker and his Mm -hmm. Satan worshiping, you know, I'm putting that in air quotes because I mean, that could be a whole other podcast, right? Absolutely. And yeah. Actually, have you listened to the Night Stalker podcast? Um, that, that true to, crimes one. I listened to a Night Stalker podcast, and so it may be. I'm not sure if it's the same one. And there was also a documentary that came out on Netflix just in the last couple of months. The cover Night right, Stalker, and that was the one that was actually through the eyes of the two officers that yeah. um, arrested him, which mm-hmm. I just saw. But so I was, I was, man, did I fall down the tunnel of true crime <laughs> podcasting about three years ago? I mean, I was so thirsty for it. I mean, I could not get enough of it, and um, and I finally, and I was also really on a murdery trip. Yeah. Like I was watching, you know, the Ted Bundy files, mm-hmm. and then I watched that Zac Efron. Um, you know, um, Netflix movie. And it was actually a little of that and a little of 
the few minutes of the Night Stalker podcast I listened to that I went, I think it's time to step away. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like, you know, they, the, at least with the, um, with the Night Stalker one, they were talking about how, you know, he would like butcher animals. And, and there was just a lot of stuff that I was like, I'm not sure I'm ready to get into yeah. the darkness of that mind. I mean, it's one thing to talk about, you know, um, the guy who, you know, would um, take bodies out of, you know, the cemetery mm -hmm. and make other bodies out of them. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people know that that's who um, Buffalo Bill was, was kind from of, Silence um, of the Lambs, yeah. from Silence of the Lambs. And mm -hmm. that's another thing too, that you and I really share in common is a love for horror and thrillers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and a lot of like the, the, um, before the internet, you know, because we started hanging out in what early two thousands, and so yeah. you know, I got into like the Japanese horror movies before The Ring was released here in the states. And I remember you were talking about uh, you know watching a lot of, like the the foreign or Asian horror movies before they were easy to get a hold of before Netflix and before YouTube or any of those things where you could find those those kind of streaming right. services. And so you, if you wanted to see them, you really had to work to find that kind of stuff. So I kind of like the Italian. I'm going to mispronounce this. I don't know if it's Gallio or Jalio. I think it's Gallio. Uh, but the, there's these Italian mysteries that are really gruesome and, and just, they're just kind of like, you just feel bad after watching them. You know, like you kind of only have to take a shower. There's kind of grindhousey kind of, kind of feel. Um, yeah. so I like those. And, and, but so all of that used to be really and hard Dario, to find. Dario and Argento. Argento like, yep. oh Uchi my Fuchi. gosh. Uchi, Uchi yes, I was going to say, yeah. that is, oh my gosh, I always talk about how great zombies are because, um, that's the only time that you see a zombie um, bite a shark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, that's so, so awesome. awesome. But yeah, they there were some really sort of um, epically dark scenes in those movies, like especially in Zombie, where the splinter hits oh, the man, person's the eye. eye. Oh yeah, that's and, uh, and just, grisly. Yeah, but I think you and I have the same um, appreciation for special effects. So it's yeah. less, I mean, I think you have the same ability that I do, which is the suspension of disbelief, sure. which is so much fun. I I love going into a movie going like Evil Dead. I know this is going to be ridiculous, yeah. but I'm going to be, I'm going to believe that this is, you know, a skeleton dancing around the forest or, yeah. you know, a reanimated body coming after, you know, this apartment complex. Like I, I really enjoy that. But also if I watch it more than once or maybe even during, and I don't know if you have this with being a, a video editor, I really like thinking about how did they do that? How did yeah. they make that head explode? How did they make those entrails look so real? Um, so how, how did you get into horror? I mean, this is a little different than yeah, what yeah. I was we telling you, but I was like, oh yeah, I forgot we have horror in common. I love horror. So yeah, I think uh, I had a friend of mine growing up uh, who was big in like, it was one of those like, when he went to he went to college and I went to the military, and so like when he was in college, he got exposed to all these. You know, like Evil Dead was the first time first time that he'd seen that, and he so he told me about it, and I watched. It. It's like oh my god, that's amazing, you know. So <laughs> it was through this this friend of mine, and uh, I just kind of got deeper and deeper into it. Uh, and honestly, it goes back, it circles back into what we had originally talked about talking about, which was gaming. You know, a lot of the role playing games that I played were based on horror themes. And so there's a lot of cross pollination between the two. So, you know, I'd, I'd watch a movie and then, you know, you get plot elements and ideas and things from that, which you integrate into the games and then you read the games and it kind of gives you the behind the scenes as far as the mentality behind it and, you know, character development and how to pace a story and stuff. And then, so you take that back to the movie and you kind of see how they did it. And so it's, it's really like a back and forth, uh, to kind of understand that. Cause I was always the, you know, the game master, the, the GM, the person that told the story. So I never really got to be a player. So if you look at, at gaming, uh, I'm sure people are familiar with Dungeons and Dragons. That's the, the OG, the OG yeah, RPG. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that everyone's heard of. Um, and people call it like the greatest role playing game of all time. And it's good. Uh, it's not the greatest. It's the most well known. Absolutely. But uh, so Dungeons and Dragons is a cooperative storytelling game. So you have one person that is the, the dungeon, they call it dungeon master or game master. They're like a referee and a storyteller. And then the, the other three or four people that sit around the table with you are the players. So each one of them 
has a character sheet that's got some numbers and statistics on it, but it basically delineates the character they're playing, the avatar for that their persona that they're being. So a thief, a wizard, a warrior, ranger, rogue, academic, you know, that kind of thing. And so they they take on the persona, whereas the game master does all the world stuff. So he tells you what the the forest looks like and how bad is it raining and if there's a hut on the hill and then there's some PCs or the player characters say, well, I'm going to go up to the hut and say, oh, you hear this evil witch inside or whatever. And, you know, and so Dungeons and Dragons was, as you said, the OG game. It came out in 1974 and I actually got into gaming with my father. Uh, he ran the games for me when I was really young and it was a game called Traveler. And it's like the old school science fiction game. Um, and Traveler was so uh, old school that everything was randomly generated. Like nowadays, when you make characters, you kind of determine what you want to be. So you come with a concept and then you make the stats fit that. Whereas this game was you would roll randomly and your character had the potential of dying during character generation. So even just getting someone to live long enough to be play the game with was a, a bit of a, of, a, of a hassle or you had to work for that. So I well, played hold Traveler. on. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's rewind a little bit yeah. in case, um, cause you did a pretty good job of explaining, um, sort of how people play, but, but let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, the, the, the dice and, and what, what for people who have never gamed before, um, when you're talking about, oh, especially with Traveler, like the person might die before the character development is, is sort of created kind of walk us through um, the setup of the game and then what what the dice, how the dice kind of get the players and the game master through sure. the, the game. So, okay, when you were a kid, you played cops and robbers or whatever. And so invariably someone says, bang, bang, I got you. And the other person says, oh, no, you didn't, you missed. And so what the dice do is they add a random element and then they also add some rules, a definition to it. So you don't have the bang, bang, I shot you. No, you didn't anymore. You have the, you roll some dice, you compare the number on the dice. Tell me, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to set the scene. And then you go ahead and tell me what your characters do. And man, 10 minutes into the game, and they were, you know, crushing people's feet with morning stars and, and knocking over Marines and taking, you know, they were trying to take over the ship. And, you know, I, I had planned for all this, like, drama and intrigue and they were just like screw it no we're taking the ship and they were setting things on fire and it just like completely went out of control but it was still a lot of fun but it and it gave them an opportunity to see how you know role-playing games help especially help me and i've heard of other people like john favreau and vin diesel and you know it's getting to be a bigger thing within hollywood have used role-playing games to help them understand like storytelling beats and pacing and character development and you know all these kind of like intrinsic storytelling things are 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 pulled from role playing games where a role playing game has a, a definite mechanical system that kind of governs how those things work and then if you can take that and apply it to just storytelling a more free form um, enterprise and it and it kind of helps give you a little bit of structure I think and so we had a real I had a really good time I, I'm assuming they did nobody hung up on me so I, <laughs> they, they stayed to the end so I guess they had a good time but yeah it, it was it, it was fun for me to have people that had never done this kind of thing before give them their first you know chance to check this out you know um, to do this this kind of alternate storytelling uh, method and it was a lot of fun man I can't believe this but I accidentally paused our oh, no. interview about <laughs> 10 minutes into our conversation. Oh no. I know. Yeah, I, I just saw that it says 1245 on my screen. Yeah. Because I had um, accidentally hit pause oh, instead no. of mute oh. when I had to cough. And I just now realized it. I was like, why does that say resume? Oh no. So, uh, interesting. <laughs> oh, uh, where do you want to start back? Uh, right. Well, I mean, we can go back to, um, oh, I can't believe that, Aaron. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, that's, that's so shitty. Um, no, no, no. Well, well, okay. So that's interesting that you're using, I mean, we can still just, we'll weave back in, but just so you know, if I repeat some questions, you'll that's know fine. why. That's fine. Um, we might be on a little bit longer than we anticipated. So to, in fine. order to get, you know, at least a whole hour for you, is that okay? Yeah, I'm cool. Okay, awesome. I'm going uh, to get a drink real quick. Okay, well, you get a drink, and um, and are you getting alcohol? It's uh, it's it's two in the afternoon, of course. Okay, I'm going to get a drink too then. <laughs> okay, fine. 
We'll be right back. Just make sure that you remind me to record it when we come back. I'm not going to touch anything. So it's all on you. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So anyway, so the fact is that that you used you used role playing to like to to write and everything like that. What what I thought was really neat was um, when when you and I collaborated on a um, on a on a pretty indie horror film yeah. that um, that was called Third Eye, and I'll have the link in the description box for everyone. Um, that that was um, a, a collaborative effort of. You, me, Chris, um, Matt, and Shannon Conyers, their daughter. Um, oh, yeah. Where was where was the idea for Third Eye? How did that come in? Because that was kind of like your brainchild. Yeah. So I had just finished school. Um, I, I was in the military. And so um, I got out of the military, spent a couple of years just kind of screwing around, didn't do anything. And uh, I had to use my GI Bill for it. It expired. So I went to school a little late. So it was about uh, 2002 or three when I graduated school. So I just got out of school for doing communication stuff. So we doing video production, website design, uh, video editing, all that kind of thing. And I had a camera, it was SD because everything was SD back then. And this is before uh, YouTube or any streaming services had become a thing. Like YouTube even back then had a, a time limit on how long videos could be. And or even if it, I don't even know if it was out yet, but. Anyway, so that kind of stuff was was hard to do still, but the technology, so the cameras and the software had just come down in price just enough so that a general consumer could afford and and do that kind of thing. Uh, And so having just gotten out of school and right before I got my job at the TV station, I wanted to put together a movie for this local film festival, uh, the Route 66 Film Festival. And so I kind of had an idea that had been floating around in my head about, you know, some philosophical ideas because I was big into Descartes and um, that kind of like nature of reality thing. And so and, and horror, it's uh, Clive Barker. I'm a huge Clive Barker fan and I love Hellraiser and listening to Tool and Tool can be kind of philosophical and weird. And, and you know, the music was kind of um, you know strange and ethereal. And so I wanted to bring all these kind of things together. And you and I had sat down and you and mine and Chris had, had been talking about writing a movie for a while. And so because we had this nice intersection of the technology and the software had gotten cheap enough and we were all kind of together for a, a, a summer reel, something like that together. And so, yeah, the, the idea for the integrating some of the philosophical ideas of Descartes and Clive Barker and all that kind of stuff just kind of came together. And so we spent what a weekend or so and wrote the thing yeah. and like then, at Perk- i think we were at yeah, perkins yeah it's closed now so <laughs> which is like a denny's for yeah, listeners yeah. who've never heard of perkins where you can go in and just live off of um you know coffee and french fries and chicken fingers until 3 a.m yeah. and we just sat there and, and wrote yeah and people even came up to us. I remember like people, what are you doing? You know, cause they saw the laptop. Oh, you you know, you're you writing something, but so yeah, we wrote it over a weekend. I mean, how, how cool was that in, yeah. in 2003, 2004 to, you know, like bust out a laptop. I mean, this isn't, this wasn't the, you know, normal thing that people were doing at the time. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. A couple more years. And so I guess that, that, that's our, our, um, hipster street cred is that we were doing it before it was cool right yep 100 <laughs> but the cool thing was was that there was a little fire under our asses because the route 66 film festival was in yeah. uh was coming up yes yeah, so we had to get done before then and so we wrote it one weekend and then we shot it uh another weekend chris came down from chicago with a friend of his and it kills me i can't think of that guy's name he's in the credits uh but the other the other friend of his came john. down with john Sean. Yeah. No, wait. Sean. I mean, wait, Sean name. was his name in the movie. Yeah, Sean was his character's name. So, but I'm pretty anyway. sure his name is John in real life. Oh yeah, my I'll gosh. I'll the credits again because I honestly don't remember. We're so sorry because you were so awesome. <laughs> we love was. you. He was a great he, – he didn't know he was, what – he didn't know what we were doing. He didn't know us from anybody and came down and, and But he was and an actor. He was job. a proper actor yeah. from Chicago that Chris knew. He did from a great his, job. Oh, he did such a great he he lend he lend his like a professionalism to yeah. um to our little project that I think um I think Chris is already a, I thought he did great and everything. Oh man. But it yeah. it gave us this sort of I don't know about you, 
Yeah, and it made it not feel so tinkery, like, oh, look at us making a backyard movie. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we shot it over a weekend, and then I edited it for, you know, probably at least a couple of weeks. Um, but I, I had just gotten a job at the TV station at the time, and so I was editing during the day, and then I would come home, and I had to really force myself to, to do more editing, you know, sitting behind the computer even longer. Um, and uh, Matt did a great job with the, the music. I was able to just drop it right in there. It, it fit perfectly, and we were all – it was one of those moments where everyone just seemed like we were all on the same wavelength. Uh, yeah. And so we, we put the thing together, submitted it to the film fest, and I was just shocked that it got in and then was even more shocked when I found out that we had won the audience favorite. Um, it was so yeah. incredible because I, yeah. I loved being at the theater with you um, when that happened. And yeah. um, that was such so, – and you said you still have the – Trophies the award mantle, yeah, absolutely. And you you need to take a picture of that and send it to me so okay, we can post yeah. it on Instagram that, during yeah. this. But um, you know, it's it's really um, I don't know. That was a really neat moment in in my life as a writer, as a wannabe writer, um, because you know it was something that we actually could we collaborated on and we executed it, and then we got an award for it. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's and not then we, we did so well. We never did anything like that again. Ever again. It's like, well, uh, if I wonder if we hadn't won the award, (laughs) right? Like if we hadn't won the award, but I mean, that's life, isn't it? Like, you know, you, you only have so much time to do stuff. uh, Your career had moved and changed and mine took me away. And so, and, and Chris, you know, with making it down from Chicago was tough for him too. And so, you know, it's one of those things, like, as I say, we had that perfect intersection where everything came together and then we all went back on our separate paths and, you know, like, I'm, I'm glad we did it and I wouldn't trade it, you know, and I'm, but I'm also glad to see that we've all kind of gone on our own directions and have accomplished what we have. You know, I, I think that, you know, at least for you and Chris, you guys are, are you know, the, the podcast seems like it's going really well. I know Chris has done well Thank and you. I've kind of been keeping up with him. You know, I had, I had Chris, uh, he messaged me one day and he said, Hey, I'm in Prague. And I'm like, wow. Oh my God. You know, that's awesome. And he says, yeah. And he's always telling me about Prague. And he says, and this, this part just like blew me away. He says, it reminds me of a game you ran. And I'm like, oh my God, that's just so cool. So that must yeah. have made you feel so cool. Was oh, it, man. um, was it witchcraft or was it Probably. cold? Well, it could have been either one. And cause Chris and I played a lot of witchcraft, a lot of vampire and a lot of cult. And right. so, and, and, um, Cult is a European uh, game. Uh, in fact, it's really hard to find in the States. They recently came out with a new edition that is just gorgeous. It is the coolest. The book artwork is incredible and everything. Um, but I will warn you that it had trouble being imported into the U.S. because of some obscenity laws. So, wow. it's, yeah, it's a grim, grim game. But it it is so well done. The new edition of the game is beautiful. Uh, so if you're into Clive Barker and Hellraiser type stuff, um, it is really a cool thing to check out. The new mechanics work really well. Uh, but so to get back to it, yeah. So Chris gave me like what I think to be like one of the world's best compliments by telling me that, oh, you know, gosh, this beautiful 100%. European city reminded him of a game that he played in. How, how cool is that? So, well, and that's where our paths first intersected was, um, well, I think, see, I think Chris originally wanted us to meet because we were both writers. Yeah. But then um, my introduction to you was playing, um, which I, th- I think was witchcraft at um, Tony's Coffee House, mm-hmm. um, Chris's ex-boyfriend. Um, and, and, and I was, that was my first ever RPG. I mean, I don't count video games as RPG, um, right? <laughs> because well, I mean, even though I'm, I'm Mario, like, yeah. <laughs> So that's an interesting distinction. So like World of Warcraft borrows heavily from like old school D&D. And so a lot of people, you have RPGs, which could be computer or whatever, but tabletop RPGs. So TT RPGs are the ones that you sit around the table with your friends. Um, so there, there's a lot of, of overlap between those two, those two genres. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, that was a whole new world for me. And um and I, I'm going to tell you after talking to you today, Aaron, I'm, I'm seriously considering jumping in on one of your virtual games because oh, absolutely. 
Um, I, I really, um, I really had a good time the, the, the couple times that I gamed with you. And the thing that was so, um, interesting to me was just how, um, how prepared and how elaborate everything seemed to be. I mean, when you're, when you're being a a game master, a GM, um, how much time do you put into preparing for? Because because these games are every week, and are you a GM for both um, no, Cyberpunk no. and the other one that you mentioned? So Warhammer, I'm playing in a second Warhammer. edition, second edition Warhammer game, and I'm a player in that one. So I actually get to play, which is awesome. Warhammer is one of my favorite worlds. Um, you know, Warhammer Fantasy and Warhammer 40k are both or 40,000, I suppose, for people who don't know. Um, those worlds, they're Warhammer is a British game, so it's from the UK, and it really has it captures the kind of grim uh, outlook that a lot of like British 80s, you know, kind of feel to it. Like it's really. Um, in fact, it even has spawned its own literary genre of grim dark. It's considered like you know the the, the genre of the game now, and and other things have come out that aren't have nothing to do with Warhammer, but they're considered to be grim dark when they are, follow these certain set of rules. So I get to play Warhammer, which is great. The guy that's running it is using virtual tabletop uh, called uh, Roll Twenty. So we don't meet in person; we we meet over the internet uh, using Discord to chat, and then we use Roll Twenty for our random number generation and our maps and things. And the guy that runs it has gone above and beyond by putting together tokens that are linked using like simple programming, so that you know if you click on a token, it will do certain things within the, the game world. It's really cool. And in oh, fact, wow. I played that. that sounds uh, so neat. I played that Friday night, and we killed a giant. So that was awesome. You know, it was just a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I play in that one and I run cyberpunk. And so the amount of time that I spend putting those together, like it really depends on the kind of game that you're running. So they make pre-published adventures that have got basically they're like a canned thing. You, you read the book, it's got the stats for the bad guys in it. And you can just kind of just sort of run it from there. But to run them well, you got to take a lot of notes. You got to really read the book and know all the ins and outs and everybody's motivations and stuff. And, you know, honestly, like some of those pre-published adventures can take probably more time to do the prep work than they would if you just made something up on your own. I'm not saying that they're bad. I use them all the time. And, you know, if that's, if you need something like that to kind of help you get started or to, to give you some ideas, absolutely. Kickstart that imagination wheel. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are great. Um, but so the cyberpunk game I'm running for that game, I've, I'm doing a little more freeform. So the players have each got their own character and then I've made up the I'm using the world, the, the setting from the book called night city, which is like this West coast, uh, um, city that was, that was built as like this utopia and has kind of fallen into ruin. And so I've got the, all the political players and I know their motivations and what they're doing and why. And then I've set the player characters loose and they can do whatever they want. So they may be making a, a deal with these guys or double crossing this gang over here or trying to get inroads with this local fixer, you know, and so they kind of do whatever they want. And so on my part, I had to prepare all the NPCs and the motivations and kind of get the world put together. But on a week to week basis, like I don't spend nearly as much time like going over my notes and making sure I've read the adventure over and over again with that game. You know, Friday night, I kind of review my notes, make sure I know the names for everybody because I'm bad on names. I uh, know everybody's name, got their motivations down. Then we get together Saturday and we play for four or five hours and they just kind of like go wild and go wherever they want. And the cool thing with that is that they're making up the story as they go because they're making decisions for their characters. And I am running along with them. So I don't know where the story is going either. So it's really an interactive storytelling experience. Neither one of us knows the end or knows the outcome or what, really what's going to happen. And so I'm not just sort of like by the numbers. Okay. You go here, you kick in the door, you do this. Like everything is new to me as well. And so it's really been a lot of fun playing that game because of the, the, the interactivity and the fact that everything is, is kind of, it's made up on the fly, but, there is background information that supports that. So it's not like we're just kind of like pulling things out of thin air. Everything makes sense within the fiction of the world, or at least I hope it does, but it's all new to everybody at the table, which is a lot of fun. So what is your draw to RPG? Is it the writer aspect? Is it the imagination, the creativity aspect? Is it the um, community? What, what, what keeps you coming back for a game, you know, might last for five hours? Yeah, so Every all week. of those things really play a big part in it. 
Um, you know, there, there's, there's the um, aspect of you get to be somebody else for a while. So, you know, like you had a bad day at work or things didn't go well or whatever. And then you go home that night and you kill a giant, you know, so you get this kind of sense of accomplishment or, or and, and also there's a certain amount of heroicness that goes with that. So we saved this village that was being menaced by the giant, you know, and that sounds kind of reductionist, but you do kind of like, you get that sort of that rush of accomplishment and that sort of feeling of doing something cool. So you get to kind of escape from yourself for a while. Um, but absolutely, especially now, there's definitely a draw of getting together with friends, you know, virtually where you can, you know, not only do we do the game and, and, and have all of our roles and rules and stuff, but there's also a lot of just like shooting the breeze and talking about how things are going. Um, I used to joke that there for a while we were a, a drinking club with a gaming problem, you know, cause we'd all have a couple <laughs> of beers and, and, you know, we'd, so we had a really good time with it. And, and so. There's a social aspect to it. Um, there's the ability to kind of go into another world. And instead of just passively watching a movie, um, you get to, to change the world as it goes. You get to be an, an active participant in the world. You know, so there's, you're more involved with it than you would be just watching a movie or reading a book. Um, so, I mean, all those things play a big part in it. And I've gotten to the point now where I collect role-playing games just to read the books. Like, I, I know I'll never run this game, but I just want to read it because it's got an interesting world, which I may not use here, but I may use in another game I'm playing somewhere else. Or they do some cool uh, simplification of rules. Like, there's this game called Blades in the Dark, which is absolutely brilliant. One of my favorite games has come out in the last couple of years, and they have a, a really simplified rule system for uh, doing heists. So if you want to break into a building and rob a bank or whatever, instead of like trying to do all the planning and stuff, which is going to fall apart anyway, you just do a couple of dice rolls and it sets the stage and you just go, you know, it's, you just, you just launch the game off from there. And so like all of these things, you can, even if I don't get to play Blades and Dark proper, I'm using that in my cyberpunk game because it makes things a little bit easier. You know, we, we get to the action faster. So all of this stuff kind of all gels together into this greater whole. Um, but something that, really knocks me over and i was thinking when i was preparing my notes for this um uh, like these games because they're they're not really mainstream-ish or at least they, they weren't when i was growing up a lot of times they give you alternate views to to things that you would not have experienced before so like in the 1990s in fact i think it was 1990 uh vampire came out vampire the masquerade and this game really blew me away at the time because I was in high school and, you know, and I think in earlier podcasts, you've mentioned that there was a kind of a darkness had fallen over everything. And, you know, so you got Nirvana and Twin Peaks and the Simpsons mm -hmm. all have these kind of darker aspects to them. And so Vampire to me really yeah. epitomized that. And the cool thing about Vampire was that, you know, it was this uh, gothic punk world. So there was lots of Catholic cathedrals and skyscrapers and stuff and Timothy Bradstreet did the beautiful artwork of these vampires that are all like totally like dead sexy black leather and fangs and Jack Daniels bottles and revolvers and just like this really kind of gritty uh, photorealism. And so those elements really kind of shaped the, I don't want to say my shape my worldview, but they, they really like colored how thing, you know, I, what I thought was cool. And what was even better is that vampire was, this is the first time I've ever seen this was that they had books where they talked about the music that they listened to when they played vampire, you know, the writers themselves. And wow. so that's where I ran across uh, Joy Division and My Life of the Thrill Kill Cult and wow. stuff like that. And so, and I've noticed that as the, as my timeline has moved forward, going from vampire, you know, like I picked up a book, um, I don't know, six months ago called Morkborg, which is a, I believe it's Swedish. And it's a, it's a role playing game. It's a fantasy, super, super dark, gritty fantasy world, but it's all based around a doom metal, which is, I'd never, I'd heard of the genre, but never really, really listened to it before. So it's exposed me to this whole other music oh, that I just wow. have been completely blown away by. Yeah. And so, so I'm, oh, go ahead. You know, I was going to say that, you know, all these things, not just, Am I getting out of it the feeling of being, I get to be a, a giant troll slayer for a little while, or I get to be a cyberpunk edge runner, but also there's the real world interaction of I get exposed to new music and new, new ways to think, new ways of thinking of things, especially like if you look at the vampire, the masquerade, one of the things that knocked me over with that is that 
it really helped put you into the mindset of a 100 or 500 year old vampire. So just think about how your worldview changes when time is no longer an issue. You know, when, when, when you can be patient and wait for your, and, you know, I don't, there's no reason for me to kill this guy or, or backstab him. I'll just wait for him to die. I've got a hundred years. You know, he doesn't. And so like wow. there's these kind of interesting things that they, they do with that. And again, to, to continue harping on vampire, um, White Wolf, the company that produced vampire back in the day, that company uh, and that um, series of books growing up in small town, Illinois, that was some of the first times that I'd seen uh, LGBTQ characters portrayed as something other than a punchline, you know, because you, you know, back in the eighties and you had like your romantic comedies and stuff and you had a a gay best friend or whatever. And that was basically the the extent of it. Whereas vampire portrayed them as, um, you know, rounded whole characters for the first time that I'd ever seen something like that. Uh, And so a lot of these games were much more progressive than, you know, the other media that, that I had seen at the time. Wow. I'd never thought about that. I love that. I, I, I think that is so important for people to hear is that, you know, whatever um, conception, misconception or stereotype people have of gamers, um, I think it's really neat that um, the, the depth of why you're a gamer and what it's done for your worldview and just you as a human in general. Um, I think that's just wonderful. One thing I, that I wanted to ask you about, because I think it's really neat that you went, um, you know, that you talked about how you were reading um, these RPG books, even if you never play them, I was going to ask you what you're reading because, um, you know, you are the reason why I know who Preacher is um, and was absolutely enthralled with this, um, you know, graphic novel. Um, and, and you were so kind to feed me every <laughs> issue I needed. Um, and it was so good. Like I would read those in like a weekend. Oh, like yeah. I couldn't put them down. The artwork, um, you know, the, the storyline, the characters – I've got to ask you, um, you know, I'll ask you how you got into those, you know, graphic novels in a little bit, but I've got to ask you, what do you think of Seth Rogen's um, live action of, of um, a creature? Preacher? You know, I, I was a little disappointed, honestly. The, the first season I thought was interesting because they were pretty true to the characters, but they did things that hadn't happened in the books. And yeah. then the later seasons, they they started picking up more plot lines that had happened in the books. And I don't know. I've watched them a couple times. I've got them on DVD, and so I've gone back and rewatched them, and they're okay. Um, you know, but, I couldn't get past for a season one, yeah. and I'll be on. And I was so excited. Do you remember I was messaging yeah, you yeah. like, "Oh well, my I god, was, I can't I believe stoked. this!" I, I, I know, and it's. Yeah, I think they did a fine job of it. It just, I think the problem was it was on broadcast television. And so some of the things that they did in Preacher really would not fly on broadcast, even AMC. Uh, and right. So- well, and, and, and the fact that it's like, you know, you're, you're, anytime you take something from a book and make sure. it into reality, you're going to have, you know, plot <sighs> issues. Right. But I just was so, like, I, I, I felt like, you know, the fact that the, the main yeah. character, the female main character, um, whose name escapes me at the Tulip. time. Tulip. Sorry, I was going to say yeah. Daisy. Then, but no, the fact that not. they made her a brunette and they made her such a different kind of woman, um, yeah. that really upset me. I mean, I like that they went for that because that's who women are today is a lot more like what's portrayed in the show but it's not who you you don't get any character development i think yeah they did kind of fall down a lot on on that kind of i mean i actually liked where they went with tulip uh in fact i think tulip and cassidy were stronger than jesse custer himself uh as far as the characters in the the live action version um but you know i i think i'm always going to kind of long for man if they would have gotten on like hbo or a streaming service then they could have done so much more over the top than they than they were on on broadcast tv and so i think they were probably working within the constraints of what they had and also one of the things that struck me because i went back and reread all of preacher a couple years ago is that you know when preacher came out in the late 90s 
you know, there was the millennial uh, paranoia, the whole like Y2K right. thing, or the rapture was going to happen on the year 2000, or what, you know, all this kind of like religious apocalyptic fervor was going on. And so I think to try to, to recapture that, you know, 20 years later, I think I kind of missed out. Like it's, it just, it wasn't oh. done at the right time, I think. Interesting. I never thought about that. So what, what, drew you to to graphic novels i mean because are you an avid reader of them or was creature just sort of one of those one-offs because i think you also liked sandman and oh, neil yeah. gaiman sandman right? was good sandman was brilliant um and i i don't collect comics on like the month-to-month basis um i, I usually get the graphic novels when you know like after a half dozen issues come out and they compile them into a, a bigger book a single book um, yeah. yeah yeah it's just easier and i, I binge things so i think I it was can't... angels and demons from neil gaiman that i have the actual i had the actual book oh yeah yeah that's a good book if, I, if i'm thinking yeah. the right one but so it's blue yeah yeah the um i've got some graphic novels i i usually get like um you know i like you know the batman character so i've got some of like the big deal graphic novels like um you know batman year one and killing joke and um arkham asylum um you know and of course watchmen is brilliant the original one by alan moore i think uh that's a good book and it's kind of a deconstruction of superheroes um and preacher i thought was great um you mentioned Sandman was brilliant. Uh, I've read some Judge Dredd, getting back to kind of that grimdark uh, British sort of sensibility. Mm-hmm. And Hellboy. I like the original Hellboy graphic novels because Hellboy was more of an investigator. I mean, he was he was a big brute too, but he investigated and there was a certain kind of compassion that the character had that I always was kind of drawn to. Um, but beyond that, I, I don't really – like comic books are not something that I – um, keep up with if something big shows up on the horizon. I may check it out. You know, like the boys, I read some of those, um, which is good. Uh, I'm looking at my shelf now, and oh, uh, Sin City. Yeah, those were good. Well, I was actually thinking, you know, Sin City uh, came out when I lived in Illinois, and um, to me, um, and I still watch it to this day. I mean, just and and the first one, not so much the second one. Yeah, the second one wasn't but great. The, not not great. I mean, it was, still was Sin City, okay. but it just it just didn't hit the mark like the first one did. I mean, yeah, yeah. everything about that movie was just every sense, every you know. I mean, except for taste, I guess, or feel. But I mean, just well, you know, was, visually and auditory, and and just groundbreaking the, fact that, the time too. Groundbreaking, you know, yeah. Just the, the, the fact, green screen work, all the special effects work, the yeah, way, and just the high contrast frame by shots. Frame. Oh yeah. It was, it was I, I incredible. Just, I, you know, and you think about the year that that came out, and we're talking about the 2000s. Like, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything that is as brilliant as Sin City since. Yeah. Oh, not since. Yeah. There's a movie. Isn't that, that a shame? Like, I feel like that is, if that's the apex and that was 20 years ago, <laughs> yeah. no wonder you're reading these apocalyptic books because it's like, well, <laughs> shit. What the hell yeah. else do we have to look forward to? We've already been through the greatest music and um and and cinematography that there can be. But you know, there's always something. You know, so even if it isn't the greatest, there's always something new and interesting. So you know, at this point, I'm not looking for the greatest. You know, I want something that's going to be something I've never seen before. You know, is there something that I've never heard before? Uh, you asked a while back about uh, like music with role playing games. You know, and so. Uh, I've been playing cyberpunk and there's a band that came up on my feed somehow. Uh, Carpenter Brute. I, don't, I, mean, I think it's French. I'm probably misspelling it or mispronouncing it, but they do like a synth wave kind of stuff, which has been kind of interesting. It's something that, that is reminiscent of the eighties. And so it's familiar, but different, you know, Ooh, so you're going to love nay. You're going to oh, yeah. love this group right. from Chicago that, um, you know, like I said, I, I don't know if it's going to happen before or after your episode comes out. Cause it's sure. taken me like, you know, already seven hours to edit it. But, yeah. um, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's, and it's not like, um, it has to be groundbreaking. I guess, I guess my thing is that um, there's there's so many things that I feel like we were going in such a fast and hard direction in in terms of imagination and you know almost like wow we made it through Y two K now now let's fucking live right mm-hmm. like everything was just like awesome and and big but now it just seems like um, and I don't know if this is because everyone can put videos on YouTube and everyone can make a podcast and everyone can, you know, 
play video games online, but it's it just seems like well, yeah, there's our, a our cultures it's we flatlined. Yeah. Well, and I think you know, there's so much information out there that we've kind of become sort of overloaded with it. You know, we just we we get when you can get anything. You know, I have a problem like some of these open world video games. This is kind of a weird analogy, but like uh, take Grand Theft Auto, which is like a famous video game that you can go around right. and basically do anything you want to in this game. And I played it you know years ago, and the problem was when given infinite choices. Or actually, I guess Skyrim is a better better example. Uh, it's a fantasy game, but again, it's an open world. You can go anywhere and do anything kind of stuff. And so, you know, when when given infinite choices, I have a character and it's like, well, um, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm, I need something driving me forward. And so when given oh, infinite wow. choices, I kind of like to sort of get, get you know, if I can do anything, I'm going to go read your book, you know, instead of playing this video <laughs> game. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, because wow. like, it's, it's nothing wrong with the game. The games are cool. And I, I just kind of, without some sort of focus, I sort of, um, you know, I can find something else to do. I, I want something driving me forward. Uh, and so when you have... Like escapism. This, yeah. When you, and so I think that's the problem that we're running into is when you have this glut of information and anyone can put anything on online and, and oftentimes you're getting things that are really good. Um, Kickstarter is the... I'm sure you've heard of Kickstarter. Uh, yes. It's a crowdsource, crowdfunding uh, thing. And so there are so many new games. In fact, several of the games I've mentioned already, uh, Morkborg, uh, uh, Blades in the Dark, both those were Kickstarter games. And so that allows basically anybody, you know, if you've got a good idea and a reasonable understanding of how to put something like that together, you can crowdfund it and then get the product put together. And so two of my fetching... Wow all of my favorite games right now. So like my big three are Blades in the Dark, Morkborg, and Cult are the big three favorite games that I want to run at some point. Those were all three crowdfunded games. Uh, and so that gives like the average person the ability to put that stuff out there. But the problem now is that everything has become white noise. So you really have to have something that is completely outstanding to put yourself above and get noticed. Yeah, that is... Uh... Wow. <laughs> I think I kind of want that to just sort of sit over all of us for a minute. That's like, that's kind of the world that we live in. And it's no surprise. And I don't really want to end this with like a political <laughs> rant or anything yeah. like that at all. But it makes you kind of realize why everyone is still is, is kind of so siloed yeah. more than maybe in previous decades, because um there is so much out there. So you might as well find that nice little niche that you fit perfectly fine inside of and, you know, just kind of stay there and not really, not really go outside of that. But yeah. And um, the danger to that though, is that I'm always worried about finding myself in an echo chamber, you know, when when you're only getting back the information that you want, as opposed to getting dissenting voices, you know, so you're not growing or evolving your ideas at all. You're just kind of like sitting there and just safe. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's maybe that's why I, although my writing, my storytelling has gotten less dark in the last couple of years. Um, you know, I mean, I used to, some of the stuff is embarrassingly, you know, like grim, uh, from back (laughs) in the day. And so, you know, like I've found like my writer's group that I mentioned earlier, I'm currently working on a series of short stories that are fantasy based short stories. So Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones kind of stuff. Um, and when I submitted the story to my writers group to, to have them read over, it occurred to me that, you know, like, did I just write like a young adult uh, story? Cause it kind of like, there's no sex and I mean, there's violence in it, but there's, there's really no language or the things that I think would make it an adult story. You know, you look at game of Thrones was a very adult fantasy, but you right. know, the stuff that I was writing recently has been kind of, you know, I don't want to say white bread. Cause I, I, the story I hope has an interesting twist to it. But honestly, like, there's not the same kind of grisly, grim, hateful darkness to the, to this work. And maybe it's a reaction to the fact the world is kind of a weird place right now, or I just need something a little bit more stable. Um, but yeah, so like, my I've noticed that my work has changed, I guess. You know, it's funny you should say that, because um, I stopped watching The Walking Dead, um, because, and I was there the first day it came out. Like, I loved it so so much because been a huge zombie fan since way back we kind of talked about um you know uh lucio um what, what's his last name again lucio fulci lucio fulci and, yeah. and his movie zombie yeah. um you know like i i probably fight. watched 
every yeah he, like the only time a zombie bites a shark you know and like these like gruesome splinters in the eyeball puncturing you know like just i loved gore and i loved everything about um horror and thrillers but um like i just it kind of got to the point and especially when i fell down the true crime um rabbit hole of podcasts um our world was reflecting something, our real world was mm-hmm. reflecting things that were so much darker than what were in these make-believe worlds that I was like, I can't be inside of that world anymore because it's no longer an escape from this sort of, um, you know, uh, Walmart, you know, yeah. suburban, you know, blank-faced, you know, uh I don't know, um, Edward Scissorhand cookie cutter houses. Now the world is, is truly as dark as what I see in these movies yeah. and I can't go there anymore. So I, I, I stopped, I stopped. I couldn't handle Lucille. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could, yeah. I couldn't handle, um, some of the darkness that I was seeing because our world was so dark. Do you, do you feel like that's, that's happened? So I don't feel like it's, I'm growing up. I no, never, never, never. <laughs> Um, because I still, I still love to see a gushing eyeball and entrails coming out. Yeah. But the difference is the darkness that surrounds those stories. Sure. I can no longer, no longer resonates with me. Well, I think you know, for me, I've I've been a horror fan for a long, long time, and I've always had like there's the two categories of horror in my mind. So you've got like, um, you know, Freddy Krueger. Who was yeah. uh, who, who had there was a magical there was a fantastical element to that like he cannot exist because he does things that are fantastical he enters your dreams and does the supernatural stuff then you have a movie like Hostel which is a really oh, good movie but, which I only could watch once oh man that movie's really good and I I will tell you it probably deserves a second watch through but it's rough but you, yeah you know, that's why I could only watch it once because it was way movies. too real yeah and, and so that's the thing is like. You know, I prefer horror movies with a certain fantastical element to them because I know they're not real right. and there's an escapism to them. Whereas like, like anything that has to do with possession, like oh, yeah. I Demons love and, The Exorcist and, and Hellraiser. And, oh, yeah. yeah. Anything cool. that has yeah, because it's not based on a human sure. who has completely lost the plot. Well, and a friend of mine asked me about Hostel, just to continue using that example, and she said, well, you know, so you don't like that movie? Well, it's not that I don't like the movie, but she said, so it bothers you because it could happen. And right. my response was, it hasn't, it isn't a could happen. I guarantee you, it has happened. And right. that, that's what made that movie like so overwhelmingly grim um, and yeah, like it's, I own it. It's a good movie. I'll watch it maybe once every five years or less. You know, it's just one of those, like, I'm glad I have a copy of it because I think it is an important, interesting movie. And it's, it's so well done. Um, to, to use the phrase torture porn is torture porn is, is a horror genre that's been relegated to like the trash bin where honestly it probably belongs. But like, this is good torture porn. If that sounds, if that's weird, but that's, that's the way I look at it. You look like all it's, the a well, it's a well-written story yeah, with good cinematography. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and for me, having lived in Europe and done extensive mm-hmm. travel, you know, either solo or with another female, um, it hits so close to home. Like I saw it in oh, the yeah. theater and I haven't watched it since. Well, I, I um, backpacked across Europe as well. I mean, in fact, the photo oh, yeah, I sent you right, was me standing in front of Dracula's castle. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. In the nineties, yeah. So uh, you know, like, well, it's not technically Dracula; it's Bronn Castle. Dracula had been there once or twice, but it's like the right. touristy version of Dracula's Castle. But so, right. yeah, like, that's you're right. Hostel hit me where it's like, wow, that could have happened to me when I was in, you know, yeah. uh, Romania somewhere. I mean, it didn't, and I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have happened anyway. But you know, like, there's still that that um, possibility, and that's why I tend to shy away from those kind of horror movies that are, you know, like. Yeah, that's there's a movie that I keep hearing is really good, and everyone says I should see it called uh, Funny Games, which is one of these home invasion horror movies, and I just can't bring myself to watch it because it's it's basically a couple of guys breaking these people's house and torture them for two hours. And now, granted, I'm being terribly reductionist, and there's more to it than that. But and I, from what I understand, the movie is actually a parody of of people being voyeuristic and watching these kind of things and so i know there's more going on but it's just that initial speed bump i can't seem to get over to actually sit down and watch it just because it is so plausible and real 
Right, which is why I had to pull back from the rabbit hole that I fell down in true crime because, um, you know, I live alone. And guess what, Aaron? I will never buy a home because of all the horror films and all the true crime. And I live on the third floor and in a gated community. And I just, in a, you know, I just, Everyone's like, oh, why don't you buy a house? Why my house? Because I have seen these movies. Yeah, but you know, like, <laughs> I've seen I've seen what's that one with Jodie Foster? This it's not Panic the Escape Room. room. Panic Room. Yeah. I've seen that movie. I don't yeah. need to live that. No, no, no. See, that's the thing. Like when you uh, you have to understand that statistically, the the probability of something like that happening is so low that you really should nope. don't even don't even worry about it. No, nope. I nope. say that. And <laughs> I say that, and my father gives me grief because he'll come over to drop off something and or to, to pick something up, and the, the front door is locked, the back door is locked, and not just locked, but deadbolt and everything. And my dad, <laughs> my dad's like, you know, you live in a pretty nice neighborhood, you could probably leave the door unlocked. And I keep thinking, yeah, but I've I've seen Panic Room, I've seen Hostel, um, I've seen uh, The Strangers. That movie's brilliant. If you haven't seen it, that movie's really good. Uh, and I haven't so, gone there. Yeah, watching it, I was like, nope. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I understand statistically that it's so improbable for that to happen. However, I'm not going to invite that uh, kind of uh, problem either. Well, Aaron, um, I am so delighted to have connected with you today, and uh, especially with the with the extra thirty minutes because I forgot to record. Uh, <laughs> you know, or I, I, I accidentally pressed pause. <laughs> in, in, but I still I'm feel like right. we had okay. Good. It was. It, <laughs> like no it was like no problem um picking back up though and, and naturally uh you know so we'll have to we'll have to uh you know chat again and, and next Absolutely. time i'm in springfield we'll have to have a drink um, oh man there's but, a couple really good microbrews have opened up since you've been gone. i know I, I had a friend take me to one when i came through a couple years ago um but for now aaron mm-hmm. um if anyone wants to um is do you have a place that you would it invite people to game with you or do you, you know, have any I have handles done anything like that i should um you know i've been i game with basically my core group of friends you know um and i really, just passed me the invite in a in in our in yeah, our facebook I, chat I, I <laughs> but, but, you know, like that's something like i want to especially because um you know because of the lockdown and because of all the stuff going on i really do I've got, I've got a bunch of games that I want to play. And so just finding other people you know, like the, the guys that I game with, they're great. And we all have a really good time and we are open to playing different games. But the problem is, is like, we just don't have the time. And so right. I would like to find some more people to game with. And I know that there's discord servers and stuff and there's Facebook groups and things. And uh, frankly, I just haven't kind of, um, haven't gotten Taking the to time it. to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I just need to do that. I just need to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to do this and and open up an invite server to play Blades in the Dark or whatever. Um, and I just haven't done it yet. Well, I tell you what, if you ever do, you know, let me know. We could even do like a short um, podcast to to pitch it if you ever yeah. go that route. Um, but for now, we've gotten to the point in the podcast. Um, that I like to call rapid fire questions okay. in which I'm going to ask you a series of questions and you're going to answer them as quickly and as fast as possible. Are you ready? Uh, yep. Okay, here we go. What's your favorite memory from childhood? Uh, camping. I used to go camping all the time and I just haven't really had the opportunity to do it lately. Uh, and so I was in Boy Scouts for years and years and we went camping once a month. Uh, rain or shine, snow, blow weather didn't matter, and so we'd go out. And I distinctly remember, uh, you know, climbing rocks in uh, Garden of the Gods down in southern Illinois. And oh. we, we would go out to Taos, New Mexico, and go to Philmont and uh, backpack through the wilderness out there for weeks on end. And so that kind of getting out and uh, relying on your wits and your skills to to survive. I mean, granted, it was pretty safe, you know, but it was still like doing that kind of stuff uh where you were you know it was like i think the first times where you were treated in, as an adult you know where you had other right. adults like these the, the leaders of course rapid fire us. aaron Ra- oh, rapid yeah, fire <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that, camping camping's my short answer i'm sorry <laughs> that's okay what's your favorite 80s band or musician uh nine Nails. were they 80s i think it was 89 is when pretty hate machine came out i think you're right um although i didn't I didn't own it until 1993, so I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. 
We'll take um, it. We'll take well, it. So, you know, if you give me just a second for a little bit longer answer, I played a, a role-playing game a couple years back called uh, Kids on Bikes that is the game is supposed to um, replicate like movies like Goonies or E.T., where you have like the kids, uh, they go, their kids on BMX bikes and they run around and solve mysteries. And so when I played that, uh, we went and listened to a bunch of 80s music, like the Bengals and, um, oh God, I can't think of any other 1988. Names. Right. Yeah. So yeah, like we listened to a bunch of like old 80s pop. Rapid and, fire. Yep. There you go. 80s pop. <laughs> What's your favorite 80s movie in two words or less? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Rebel <laughs> Cop. Nice. Um, why did you go? Why did you go to college? Um, I had to, you know. Um, I, it was one of those like ever since I was a little kid, it was drilled into me that I'm going to college, and so I joined the military to pay for it. And uh, it took me some time to finally get there, but I eventually did, and that's I'm glad I did. And Aaron, finally, my favorite question to ask all my guests, if you could give a bit of advice to any generation, either older, younger, or Gen Xers, either to get through the good times or the bad times, what would you, what would your advice for life be? Uh, The universe is infinite and vast. It's a big place. And we are infinitesimal in that. And so, uh, you know, we, we are tiny little specks that don't matter. And so the point is, don't sweat the small stuff. If it's small to you, don't sweat it. Be patient. Uh, things are getting better. Uh, I think that the, 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 the darkness that we've been experiencing recently is, a, um, is the old guard. They realize that they're on their way out, and this is their last gasp. And so in the next decade or so, things will get better. Man, I just got chills when you said that because that is that is totally something I'm hoping for too. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to hang out with us. This has been so much fun. We, we got to do this again and I'll let you know about gaming and stuff. But yeah, this has been uh, a blast. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to be an army.